Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. This will be a quick one this week. The Clay Young Show on podcast 225.com and on iTunes. It's free there, you know. And we're also on that Talk 107.3 mobile app. It's free as well. You can get us in those places. And like I always tell you, if you don't have an Apple device, you can go right, right to the website, podcast225.com, and listen to the show. Each week, we appreciate the feedback that we get from you. I tell you, I'm glad that we are nearing the end of the political cycle here in Louisiana for this year. I mean, next year in the capital city region, specifically in Baton Rouge, there are going to be more elections. It never really, really <laughs> feels like it, it ever is going to go away. And then the presidential elections next year as well. So goody for all of us, we get to have more Trump, at least until he says the one thing that certainly makes sure that he won't be the candidate. And it probably will happen at some point because this unscripted, off-the-cuff stuff that he does, you got to think at some point it's going to come back to haunt him. Well, as you listen to this now, Lieutenant Governor, outgoing Lieutenant Governor and former candidate for Governor Jay Darden has endorsed John Bell Edwards for governor. It's a nasty race, this governor's race, over the past uh, several months and culminating in this runoff. And a few months ago, Vitter looked like the prohibitive front runner, but there was no guarantee of how this was going to wash out. You just didn't know. But ultimately, it did fall the way that people thought it might fall. Uh, some people, I had my doubts, but some people thought that it would be John Bell Edwards and David Vitter actually in the other order. Vitter, top, John Bell Edwards making it into the runoff as the lone Democrat, the lone major Democratic candidate in the race, pulling uh, those votes. Well, John Bell Edwards ended up leading the pack. And David Vitter is kind of limping into the runoff now. And with this endorsement from Jay Darden, it can't help but to have an effect on this thing from the capital city region. I'm not totally surprised that Darden is endorsing John Bell Edwards. It was nasty. Lots of things were said. I happen to know Jay, as many of you know, and... It just, it, it doesn't surprise me. And I know a lot of people are. And there's, there's talk about how either of these guys are going to govern. Look, Louisiana's in a mess. No matter how you slice it, Louisiana is in a mess. We've got financial trouble that we dealt with last year. Much of them are coming back next year for this new legislature. And it's just going to be, it's not going to be good. The education system across the state is in need of some leadership. And I'm just saying we need we're going to need hard work, not platitudes and stump speeches to stop what's going on in our state right now. And I'm hoping that that will That'll happen. A couple things I want to share with you. It's just you and me today, right? We're going to talk about a couple things in politics, a couple things in society, and just give you my thoughts on it. Uh, Don't forget, you can always give me your feedback on Twitter at ClayYoungBR, or you can uh, talk with me on Facebook, as many of you do, or you can email me directly from the site, Clay at Podcast225.com. Governor Bobby Jindal, outgoing Governor Bobby Jindal, 
<laughs> there is a piece by Robin Beck, actually by uh, uh, Kathy McHugh, talking about Governor Jindal, who is a strong contender in Iowa. And this is just, this is interesting, the story. And I'll share a little bit of this with you. Executive Chairman and host Stephen K. Bannon asked Jindal why assimilation is so critically important for where we stand as a country. The U.S. must make sure what, ha- what is happening in Europe doesn't happen in America, so, say, so says the governor. One of the things that America is so proud of is, and rightfully so, we have been this melting pot for so long. The left doesn't want that anymore. They want to call us a salad bowl. They think it is culturally arrogant or xenophobic to insist that people that want to come to America have to assimilate, and that's nonsense. The reality is we don't make anybody come here. Millions of people all over the world want to come here. And folks that don't want to be Americans shouldn't come. And the reality is they shouldn't come and use our freedoms to undermine freedoms for other people. Let's be really honest about this. Immigration without assimilation is not immigration. It's an invasion. When you look at what's happening in Europe, you've got second and third generation immigrants that don't consider themselves part of those societies, those cultures, those values. We mustn't let that happen here is what the governor says. Now, (laughs) I'm going to read this and then I'll give you my thoughts on it. There are things we can do at home. Here at home, let's get away from these hyphenated Americans. We've got a divider in chief in the White House. I'm tired of the African Americans, the Asian Americans, the rich and poor Americans. We're all Americans. If we want a stronger immigration policy, one that makes our country stronger, not weaker, a smart one, we need to tell folks, if you want to come to our country, come here legally, learn English, adopt our values, roll up your sleeves, and get to work. Jindal explained his parents arrived in the U.S. as legal immigrants. They didn't want it to be be dependent on the government. That's not what they came here for. They came here to work. And they came here to be Americans. They loved the old country, but they were very clear about this. If they wanted to raise their kids as anything other than Americans, they wouldn't have come here. They came here to be Americans. That's what we should be encouraging. He also, and I'll just share this with you as I, as I wrap this up, uh, the article goes on, Gentle also took a stand against the political establishment's blank check refugee Resettlement policy. Let's be very politically incorrect. Islam has a problem. That problem is radical Islam. And we need to be aware of the dangers, Jindal said. Secretary Kerry wants to let more Syrian refugees into our country, which I disagree with. ISIS has already said they're trying to infiltrate these groups. Why would we let people come into our country to do us harm? So, it's pretty clear that many of you know that I don't really care for the job that Governor Jindal has done the last eight years. But what many of you don't know is I supported Governor Jindal's candidacy 
for that job. I thought he was going to be a great governor because he was young, he was bright, he was energetic, he seemed like he had ideas, and that seats at the table will, would not be earmarked for the good old boys network. That's what I thought about him. I knew him personally. I got the chance to talk with him, interview him on a number of occasions, and I found him to be engaging. I found him, when his guard is down, to be actually pretty funny. He's got a decent sense of humor. And all of those things being said, I think as governor, he has been piss poor. Now, he's running for president. Many people have jumped all over him saying that he shouldn't be running for president and have criticized him for being interested in running for president. I disagree. The only qualification one need have to become a candidate for president is be over the age of 35 and be a U.S. citizen. He qualifies in both categories. Got no problem with him wanting to be president. I think if little kids in schools around this country want to one day grow up and be the commander in chief of our armed forces and the most powerful person in the free world, I say that's fantastic. But I see Governor Jindal as being one of a great number of politicians who practice the methodology of dog whistle politics. Let's talk about, first of all, I agree with his stance on being careful about who we let into this country as it relates to the Syrians. I think we should be careful to make certain that some of these groups have not been infiltrated by ISIS because, as the governor correctly says, they are are sworn enemies of America. They want to murder Americans. That is true. The part about immigration, excuse me, and assimilation is where I have some disagreement with him. I love America. You win the lottery of life when you're born in America. As I talk with you right now, to my right, there is a big old American flag on my wall. Got them all around my yard at the house. I love me some America. But the great thing about America is you can love America and still be who you are. People who have religious cultures that require they wear certain things. People who come to the country and who observe, listen, we celebrate St. Patrick's Day in America. We celebrate Columbus Day in America. There are all kinds of cultural things that we celebrate that are not unique to America, that aren't born here, that are a part of cultures born in other places that are celebrated here in America. Christianity wasn't started in America. So I don't really agree that we all have to look alike or sound alike to be considered Americans. I think we should love our country. I should think we I think we should want her to be the best that she could be. We support the men and women who defend our country. I think we should strive to be patriots. But I don't think that there is an optical description of what a patriot should be. You don't have to be white or black or male or female. I think you just need to love America. And I do think people who come to America should speak English. I believe in that. 
It is the language of the land. Now, if you speak another language, because by the way, in schools for generations, people have had the opportunity to learn to speak other languages. I don't care. I'm okay with that. It doesn't bother me one bit. When I go about my day, it doesn't matter. I do think you ought to speak English here, but that's one person's opinion. And I think you should come here legally. But let us not forget the fact that for so long in our country, we have ignored what's happening along the border. And we talk about it now, and I am fine with that. But we must also address the fact that people come to the country because they can get jobs. When people say these people come into the country to do work that America, other Americans won't do, well, first of all, if they're coming here illegally, they're not American citizens because they're not here legally. Number two, who's hiring them? Do we know who's hiring them? And if we know who's hiring them, why aren't we doing something about that? This is why I don't think there's going to be a solution to the immigration issue. And oh, by the way, anybody out there thinking that Trump, who is a brilliant businessman, is going to be able to get Mexico to build a wall across our along our border. I'm saying I hope you live in Nevada. Otherwise, you shouldn't be smoking that stuff. I mean, you probably got a toot from a still that's 100 years old. You're drinking some good moonshine. And it's what's going on in politics. Now, the other side of this is Trump saying people should come here legally. And not taking the time to elaborate on what he means, I don't think he means every Mexican is a murderer or a rapist. But when you gush things out on a podium in a political setting, you're asking for what you're going to get, brother. But the article about assimilation, the only thing I want people to do when they're in this country, again, is pledge allegiance to the flag. Meaning you support the country. That's just my that's my opinion right now. And the governor's been banging this drum for a long time. It's like, dude. You can't really talk about the resume in Louisiana. I understand that. But I don't think people are really falling for this. And again, we shouldn't let politicians co-opt our love for our country, our love for freedom, our support of the military, and have them turn it into something else. Because we're smarter than that. Right? Right. Now, something else on the list that I would like to run by many of you, particularly those of you who spend time volunteering with kids in sports. What's up with the participation trophies? Can we talk about that for a second? Whose idea was it that we should just give a trophy to every kid? Regardless of how good they are, regardless of how much they participated, by the way, that should be a factor in participating but how how often they showed up all of that who says we should just give them a trophy for being on the team and by the way if you believe that are you also one of the people who complain about folks not wanting to show up for work or folks who show up for work not wanting to work they want you to coddle them and then pay them twice a month because they just 
showed up. Don't you think some of what we're seeing in department stores and in grocery stores and out in society has a little bit of a root in the fact that when some of these people are in their uh, formative years, when they're three and four and five and six and seven years old, instead of putting them on solid food, we are still shoving breast milk into their heads? I do think we should stop with the participation trophies. I think an expression of being on the team is one thing. I think trophies signify winning. And if you did not win, you should not get a trinket that says you did. Because what you do is devalue winning and then you massage the definition of winning, right? To the degree that winning doesn't matter a whole lot. Just showing up is all that matters. You know, the whole saying about part of life, big part of life is just showing up. I think that had a lot to do with competing. But at the end of the day, why run the race if you can't really be the one who won it because everybody's going to get a trophy? I'm saying people ought to stand up and say, I'm not giving out participation trophies. If little Johnny didn't bring his behind to campus, or excuse me, bring his behind to practice, if little Johnny, when he came to practice, didn't listen and misbehaved. He likely won't be playing. And I don't care how much mommy or daddy cry about it. You have to send a message that hard work does pay off. Sometimes all many of us have in life is the fact that we're willing to work hard. So let's lock, let's knock it off with the participation trophies. Know what I'm saying? Let's knock it off. Why don't we teach our kids to work as hard as they can? How about that? How about teaching our kids that not everybody's going to like you? And just because someone doesn't like you, that doesn't mean that you get to go get a gun and shoot them. Doesn't mean that you get to punch them in the face. How about that? And with Facebook and Twitter right now, oh my gosh, which leads me to the next thing. This thing about people saying things on social media that they would never say to someone's face. That to me is an indicator of the rampant cowardice in our society. I could never get on Facebook or Twitter and throw shots or pick fights with people that I can pick up the phone and call or maybe hop in one of my vehicles and go see. Not my style. But that's kind of what goes on right now. And we are training a generation to not be able to resolve conflict in an amicable, civilized way. We kind of teach them to cuss at one another across social media and then the amen corner jumps in and gets behind it. Which is why I don't believe guns are the problem. I kind of think it's the way we go about dealing with problems is the problem. Just one opinion, right? College football. This one will be quick. Leonard Fournette is the man. 
The Alabama game is this weekend as you're listening to this show. By the time some of you may have heard the show or may be listening to this, the game may be over. So let me go on record, even if I'm wrong, and I don't think I will be wrong, I think LSU is going to win. Because of Leonard Fournette. And I think Brandon Harris is very underrated. Kid's got a cannon attached to his shoulder. And I think LSU is going to go into Alabama and win. I'm not saying they're going to blow him out. I've heard people say that. But I I don't know about that. Nick Saban is still the coach of Alabama. And for my money, he is still the best coach in college football. But I think the best team in college football at the moment resides in Baton Rouge. And that team, I believe, is going to go into Alabama and win. I got some friends in Alabama. You know, the one I told you about who just had uh, the little boy that, who is now my godson. He's from Alabama, so he gets to support them. I just, we just, we embargo his Alabama culture when he comes into Louisiana. We tell him, you got to leave it at the border of the state. Don't bring that in here. It reminds me of a story of being in Florida uh, <laughs> a few years ago. And I think it was San Destin, but there was a sports store in Destin. And they had all of these college teams from the South. You know, they had Georgia and Alabama and LSU and Ole Miss and all of these, you know, SEC teams in the store. <laughs> and I told the guy, I said, you guys are very polite here because I can guarantee you in Baton Rouge at any sports stores, ain't no Alabama jerseys hanging in there. Kind of don't like them and don't want to see people wearing those jerseys. So the game this weekend should be a good one. I know many of you will be watching it, and hopefully nobody gets injured, and it's a good game. By the way, the, the young man who played at Southern, who got injured in the Georgia game, just such class all the way around this, the way that Southern has handled it and their support for this young man. Kudos to Big Blue, and then the support from Georgia fans and students there and how they have offered support and encouragement to this young man. See, those are the kinds of things that exhibit the best of who we are as a people. We don't talk about it a whole lot, but it is the truth. And along those lines, Quentin Tarantino, you know, the director, Quentin Tarantino, is in a bit of trouble these days uh, because of some comments he made about cops and he talked about being compelled to talk about murders and murderers alluding to police officers and this big thing is going on now where law enforcement agencies around the country around the country are saying let's boycott anything with Tarantino's name on it Chris Hayes as we sit and record this is going to be sitting with Tarantino about those comments. He's kind of dug in and he's not backing down. Now, I think in fairness, in cases, now he, now he did say, he did say that he wasn't trying to indict every law enforcement officer. He said to the New York Times in a recent article that all cops are not murderers. He says, quote, I never said that. I never implied that. Yeah, again, that whole podium thing. You got to be careful about how you're going to be heard. Here is what he said a little bit more from that L.A. Times article. He says, instead of dealing with the incidents of police brutality that those people were bringing up, instead of examining the problem of police brutality in the country better than single me out. 
And their message is very clear. It's to shut me down. It's to discredit me. It is to intimidate me. It is to shut my mouth. And even more important than that, it is to send a message out to any other prominent person that might feel the need to join that side of the argument. Yeah, you kind of argue against yourself on this one. First of all, in any incident of police brutality, the perpetrator in this case, who might be an officer, does indeed deserve to be dealt with and should not have the honor and privilege of wearing a badge. We all agree with that, right? We think that it, I, you know my positions on some of these things that have happened in the past where I've been open about the case of uh, the young man in Baltimore or the man in New York City who was basically choked to death. When these instances pop up, I think decent people can agree there is no excuse. No excuse. I said to a friend of mine talking about the case of the law enforcement guy flipping the girl out of the chair that I don't really care how she was acting. I'm sure there had to be a better way to deal with that than flipping the girl out of the chair onto the back of her head and then dragging her out of the room. Now, we can all agree she was not being cooperative. She certainly wasn't being respectful. She wasn't doing anything in the way of compliance. But she's still a child. And there has to be a better way of dealing with that. And I think as law enforcement professionals around the country would talk about this, I think they would agree with me that there are better ways to handle it, that you don't escalate the situation. The, the role there is to try, if at all possible, to de-escalate. But we can probably pick, if we were to sit around and Google it and go through the news, maybe a couple dozen or so cases like that. However, there are thousands of law enforcement professionals around the country, and we just need to be careful to not indict them all. I think we should practice with law with law enforcement the same thing we want law enforcement to do with the general public. Everybody says you don't want young black men to all be thrown into one category as criminal. I agree with that. Not every young black man is a criminal. But if you're going to go down that line of thinking, you also can't indict every law enforcement officer based upon what a few of them may have done. I think that's fair. And so Tarantino talking about this, come on, Tarantino's making these statements right now in an emotional way. And I would have even said maybe he didn't, if, if he wasn't intending to create a stir, he got caught up in the moment, the chance to come back and dial it back and talk more about these specific instances, but to say it's a, it's, you know, it's an effort to shut him down. Not really, not really. You know, I often, I know people that out there really want to know where celebrities stand on every issue of the day. Me, not so much, not so much. I actually don't want a reason to dislike some of my favorite actors and actresses and athletes. I mean, there are social justice issues that happened across the country that I believe people should speak up on, but I kind of think they should have a little bit back of background before they take public positions because someone as high profile as Quentin Tarantino, when he says something, people are going to hear it, especially when you're saying it in front of a crowd and into a microphone. So we'll see what happens with his movie. I think it's like the hateful eight or something, a movie about bounty hunters that's coming out. I mean, he's talented. Nobody, nobody can take that from him, but 
I mean, if you're going to jump out there in the middle of a controversy, it's going to be what it's going to be. Right. So how about this? The National Day Against Global Arrogance. (laughs) Thousands of Iranians burned the American flag and chanted slogans yesterday as we record this. Actually, this is today. I'm looking at this as we record this on a well yesterday as you're listening to it, if you're hearing it on Thursday and it was done on Wednesday. Just disregard the last six seconds of me talking. I'll skip ahead. As they marked the anniversary of the seizure of the U.S. Embassy in Tehran by military students 36 years ago. The annual state-organized rally drew greater attention this year as the Iranian hardliners took to counter moderate President Hassan Rouhani's outreach to the West following a landmark nuclear deal, bad deal, reached with world powers in July. So I'm not going to do this whole thing, but I just will say this, though. We do a lot of good around the world, and I often think it's good that people see that in some places where we are trying to do good, that's the reaction. I get it when people say we shouldn't solve everybody's problems. I actually believe and agree with that, that we shouldn't solve everybody's problems. And in some humanitarian cases, I do believe in stepping in and trying to help. But I think there are many not-for-profit causes that do a better job of that than governments. But that's a subject for another show. But just pay attention to stuff like that when you see these stories about burning the U.S. flag and, you know, slogans, death to America and all, and celebrating any level of atrocity against America. See, when Jendel is talking earlier about about assimilation, and I told you that I think that I don't know that I would use the word assimilation as much as I would say you love the country, you pledge allegiance to the flag that represents the country, you try to make certain that America is is as good as she can be. I will say, though, when people who are here constantly bash America and and have nothing good to say about America. I kind of do think they need to get the hell out. I mean, I don't stay places I hate. Do you? And if you're not a part of the solution, then you know what you're a part of, right? That's just me. But I saw this story and I thought you guys might find it a little bit interesting. (laughs) Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But that's it. I told you it was going to be a quick one. Just a few things. I want to get your feedback on some of what you heard here from me. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at ClayYoungBR and also on Facebook. And you can email me, Clay at Podcast225.com. Get it on iTunes. Hopefully, you have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Get out. It's my favorite holiday this month. Thanksgiving. I love a turducken. And I'm going to have a big one November 26th. Have a great one, y'all, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.